Art is more than just a composition of beautiful colors and carefully placed brushstrokes. When we can think about it more expansively, that is. Welcome to the Art of Podcast, a show that unveils the masterpiece resulting from you taking your healing into your own hands. I'm your host, Leah Fisher, a trauma survivor turned multi-awarded reflectionist artist with a master's degree in counseling. My highest intention is to create a community for self-healers. Together, we'll unlock your own creative capacity to design a life of holistic wellness and embrace the healing journey, one step at a time. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Art of Podcast. I'm your host, Leah Fisher, and I want to wish everyone a very happy new year. I hope that everybody just rolled into it with peace and happiness and fun and a buzz if you're into that. You know, I I am really excited about this year. I was just going back through a little reader that I do, making some notes and seeing my uh, my notes from the very beginning of the year and what an energetically intense, beautiful, um, horrifying, terrifying roller coaster marvelous year this was at least for me and um people that I talked to too you know it just I think there's a lot going on and I just am so thrilled and happy today to continue my conversation with Rachel Ruth Tate as promised she is back today and she is going to just lead us through the first half of the year. She is an astrologer who is very well read and qualified in so many areas of astrology. She's a meditation teacher. She's a yoga teacher. She is the host of the Astrology Roadshow. And if you haven't listened to our conversation on episode 43, you'll get an introduction to her. Not totally necessary to listen to this, but you're going to love her. You're going to love that. So go back and listen. So Rachel, hi, welcome back. Happy New Year. I'm so glad to see you. Hello. I am so thrilled and honored to be here and to be back here with you. Yeah. It is such a joy and a pleasure. And I, I must tell you, I'm already looking forward to the astrology of next year. I mean, it's nuts next year. Yes, but the first I mean, this half, year, this year. the first half feels so nice. I'm actually really looking forward to not just experiencing the lived experience of the astrology, but sharing that information because I think we all we all had a relatively eventful and maybe not so easy end to 2023. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There were a lot of planets retrograde. Which yeah, give us a give us like a, like a little like show notes of the of the year past and like the very end and what and like what is leading us into 2024. So the energies coming from 2023 into 2024, I think we're dominated by the direct station of some important planets. For those people listening who maybe might not have a background in astrology, there are seven traditional planets, and those are the five visible planets and then the two luminaries, the sun and the moon, that you can see with the naked eye from the earth. And those planets are also the planets or the bodies whose effect is visible to sort of the person in the personal life because they move fast enough and because their light reaches us in in a literal way. And so November 4th, which was, it's not an election year, but we had some elections going on right then, the planet of Saturn 
station direct. That's the furthest out visible planet. But Saturn had been retrograde in Pisces, Pisces being an emotional, watery, spiritual sign. So I think a lot of us were having perhaps issues with doubt, issues with faith, issues with challenges to our long-term philosophies or, or modes of operating spiritually. And that direct station led us into the direct station of Jupiter, the very end of the year. So Jupiter, one planet in from Saturn, they have opposite meanings. Saturn is bound by its own icy rings. It's about restriction and challenge. Jupiter is the ever-expanding literal protector. Its gravitational field protects the Earth from all of the flying space junk. And it's responsible for our own personal growth, expansion, and benefits. And so when Jupiter stationed on the 30th of December, um, 31st for some time zones across the world, it was a huge relief as well. It stationed direct in Taurus, which is our fixed Earth sign that governs a lot of like physical abundance. So think your finances, think your access to pleasure, nice food, nice Bev, um, like in general, the food supply, all of that stuff should have gotten a little easier. So maybe we were having these spiritual challenges and we were having these physical um, or financial issues. And then around the turn of the year, those both station direct on the first of this year, and we're recording here on the fifth, on the first of this year, Mercury stationed direct in Sagittarius. Yeah. <laughs> right. When they all went direct, it was just um, when planets are retrograde, they are apparently moving backward vis-a-vis -vis our perspective. And it's kind of like our lives where sometimes these themes feel like we're not making progress. It feels like we're stuck. feels like we can't seem to find the way forward. And then once these planets resume their apparent direct motion, it's like uh, those those stuck issues in life or those reviews, those revisions, they finally come to more fruition. Mm. Can I ask you a question about yeah. retrogrades? Um, so I just wonder, I know that, you know, when the ancients were looking at it, it appeared they were going backwards. So how does that translate how it affects us energetically? Like, why is that really a thing? You know, like, um, is it just the consciousness that just kind of fell into that paradigm? I mean, why does that even make a difference? So when planets are moving around the sky, it's natural for them to follow a path, right? Their orbital plane. Mm -hmm. And those orbits are elliptical, and so is our own. And we are also tilted. Mm -hmm. And so when the planets are apparently moving retrograde, it's just the way that they are in their, in their elliptical orbit, the way we are tilted and turning, they just don't change vis-a-vis -vis our perspective. And that's kind of like the human life where oftentimes things are operating in the background that we can't actually see energetically in our lives. Mm -hmm. Like maybe we're fretting about the evolution of a relationship. And really the other person is having feelings, having thoughts, having experiences that affect the nature of the relationship you have with them but you're not maybe privy to it or you're not able to see it until like our filter can't, isn't seeing it or exactly it's, like, okay. it's not obvious what's happening in the background or what's happening in those spaces that are not immediately close to us. Mm -hmm. And so to me, these retrogrades are periods where we get to focus because when a planet is stationing direct or retrograde, it is apparently motionless in the sky. So it's kind of like when something's not moving, you can get a better gauge on it. You can really focus and take a peek 
and understand exactly what's going on. Mm, I didn't realize that. I thought we could see it going backwards. So it just looks like it's just not moving. When when it stations. Oh, okay. Yeah. So when it is retrograde, you can actually see it. Yes. You okay. can see it moving backward in the sky. And it, so it's moving backward toward degrees where it's already been. Mm-hmm. And it's reemphasizing those degrees. Mm-hmm. But those degrees that are reemphasized, they're something that we need a closer look at, even though it feels like we're not making progress because we're not moving forward in the orbital period or, or plane. Again, vis-a-vis our perspective, it is, each planet is moving forward. Mm-hmm. It's just like when you're passing a car on the highway, like their wheels aren't moving backwards. Mm-hmm. But it looks like they are sometimes when you're going a little faster. Mm-hmm. It's almost like they're saying, pay attention here. Like, let's let's look at this, let's review it. You know, let, let's um, examine this energy in your life, you know? And that could not be better illustrated by the fact that Mercury, the planet of the mind, of the thinking, of the understanding and the expressing, that planet goes retrograde more than anything else. (laughs) So (laughs) we need to look at things more than once. Mercury retrogrades like, what, three to four times a year, right? So it's we're often having to re-review or kind of go back over our mental notes. Yeah. And I think it's it's a natural part of human life. But then when you think about it, like our minds change a lot faster than our hearts and they change much faster than our philosophies or our beliefs, right? Mm-hmm. So all of these things from Mercury on out through Saturn, mm-hmm. usually our major personal circumstances change much more slowly than our, than the pattern of our thoughts. You know, maybe you get some new information and and you're like, oh, I changed my mind about this because I was revealed to be wrong. Mm-hmm. So now I'm I'm agreeing with whoever gave me that information. That is such an interesting observation. Yeah. Okay. I think cool. all the planets can be viewed that way, archetypically. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Archetypically. And so Mercury stationing direct around the first of the year, I feel like a lot of us should have mercurial breakthroughs right around this time. And so if in the listeners' lives they've noticed maybe a deal that they were waiting on or maybe um, a contract that they were waiting on, or even an opportunity for creativity, maybe getting through a a writer's block or something Mm -hmm. such. I think that a lot of people, um, also with Jupiter, Mm -hmm. right? Mercury is in a Jupiter-ruled sign. And so people are experiencing mercurial and Jupiterian benefits in the same moment. And that means they have mutual reception. That's why, right? Right. Yes. Okay. Well, kind of. Okay. Kind of. So... Mercury is ruled by Jupiter. Jupiter is ruled by Venus. And now that Venus is ingressed into Sagittarius, Venus is ruled by Jupiter. Got it. So okay. just like kind of round robin, but they all are related. Got it. Like harmonious. There are harmonious energies happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And right now, Venus and Jupiter have that mutual reception, mm-hmm. but they're not seeing each other because Taurus and Sagittarius are quincunx or in conjunct, mm. 150 degree awkward angle. Mm. So even though there's that benefit from like, hey, you're in my sign, I'm in your sign, mm. they don't, they're not quite able to see mm. on the same wavelength mm. or on the same page. So it might feel like we are receiving all these great benefits. These are our two benefics, Venus and Jupiter. We love them. They give us our cash and prizes, mm-hmm. but they're they're kind of um, not working perfectly in tandem even though they're trying mm-hmm. so there are probably areas of our lives right now where we're making this immense progress but there might be some like little hiccups mm-hmm. or some even though mercury's direct it's not cleared its shadow so that could be like mm-hmm. a hey i got that contract i was waiting on but like we need to take this clause out you know it's not working this is not mm-hmm. quite what we had imagined or envisioned and mm-hmm. maybe there's a little bit more back and forth 
in good spirit and we're, we're probably excited about the developments that are happening in our own individual lives. It just might take until Mercury's out of its shadow and back in Capricorn for this to all be really functioning on all cylinders. Oh my gosh. It's like you're reaching into my life and just like, <laughs> just like just narrating. This it. reading is for you. Yes. <laughs> but the next really important movement happening this month. So I think one of the highlights of the first quarter of the year is the fact that Pluto will be changing signs not for the last time, but the second to last time this year. So Pluto is going from Capricorn, where it has been on and off, or or mostly on, since 2008, and it's heading into Aquarius, where it will stay or remain after November of this year until 2043. So for those listening who are like, what's Pluto? It's a very good question. We really don't know if Pluto meets the definition of a planet, right? If it's clear to all of the things in its orbit, it's it's in the Kuiper belt, right? There are asteroids running around near Pluto. But Pluto is this mysterious, nebulous, sometimes planet that governs all the mysterious and the nebulous dynamics specifically of power, of creation and destruction. And it is the... Mm, the planet which can make the big small, the small big, and it can reveal things that were previously buried, it kind of governs darkness. Mm -hmm. And the idea of the unknown Mm -hmm. or the unknowable, like who is God and why do we live and die? And these are very Plutonic questions. Mm -hmm. And Pluto takes 248 years, almost 250 years, to go around the zodiac once. So these Pluto changes of sign and these Pluto stations are, are... not insignificant in the human life. I mean, each human life, you're going to see Pluto in in a few signs, but not in all of them, Mm -hmm. not even in half of them, Mm -hmm. right? Unless you live to be 120, congrats, you're a world record holder of some kind. You're the the few and the wonderful, (laughs) and you can see half of Pluto's signs. But for the rest of us, there should be a big change around now, around mid-month, and throughout the year, in the nature of what we're, we're, we're what we are worried about, the nature of what we are working on transforming, Pluto gov- governs creation and destruction, which are part of a process. Mm-hmm. So, what parts of our lives are being reborn? And I think if the listeners go ahead and look at where Capricorn falls in their chart, you can see what has been being worked on by Pluto. What has been under undergoing that that death and rebirth in your life. And then notice where Aquarius is, that's the next house that's due for this major change. Mm -hmm. And there's both an empowerment quality to Pluto and there's this terrifying quality to Pluto, (laughs) right? It's Whatever, it it kills everything that doesn't make you powerful. Amen. (laughs) It will remove those obstacles even without your permission or consent. Yes. And I really like to think about, um, when I think about Pluto, our relationship to change Mm. and acceptance and letting go. And, um, if you can become comfortable with becoming uncomfortable and, and with change your life and, and letting things go easily, Pluto can be so beneficial. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, uh, that that's easier said than done sometimes. And for everybody listening, if you have Pluto in your first house or one of your angular houses. Two, two of my best friends have it right on their ascendant in their first house. You've got powerful friends. <laughs> yeah, I do. I my do. husband has Pluto first house as well. So yeah. 
for those of you who have it first house or in one of those angular houses, first, fourth, seventh, tenth, or if you have super, super, super heavy Scorpio placements, you'll probably notice this more than others. You'll notice the station and especially the difference in the nature of what you're worried about. Be direct in Aquarius from the 20th of January until I think the 2nd of uh, September. Mm So that period, we should get this really great preview of the next 20 years, of the nature of what we're going to be working on. Oh, so we'll get a little, like, like a little teaser. Yes. Okay. And it only dips back. So the last time it dips its toe into Capricorn will be between the 2nd of September and the 20th of November. That is when it is both retrograde and direct in Capricorn. Oh, good. Okay. It will never be back to that 29th degree of Capricorn again. Mm-hmm. Pluto retrogrades about 40% of the time. Um, so it's it's retrograde often. It's retrogrades don't really matter half as much, mm-hmm. at least in just our... Just because it moves so slow. Right. Like you, can't, you, can't, you can't see it anyway. You know, it's just like... How do yeah. we... Oh, oh, I guess we know it's in retrograde because they're looking at it through a telescope. Mm-hmm. And that's how we got to see all of the, you know, Uranus, Neptune, Pluto. Okay. It's when we got that technology that we got to observe these planets. Okay. And they had been theorized by earlier mathematicians because of changes in other planets orbits they're like okay there must be something around here that's affecting interesting that visible planet but until we got that technology we couldn't see and i think it's so fun too this is kind of a side note but the planet after saturn is uranus and uranus is the first planet outside of saturn to be seen and it's the planet that actually governs technology itself and innovation oh wow and disruption and those kinds of like technological breakthroughs and all that kind of it stuff. It is fascinating how astronomy really just reaffirms astrology in so many ways, you know. Mm-hmm. That could be a whole podcast. <laughs> that could absolutely be a whole podcast. But I think that listeners, if you're interested, go over to the astrology podcast. Yeah. By the way, I loved I love that little the little Freudian slip that you made. Like I would love to be a host of the astrology podcast. Austin was one of my teachers and if he's listening to this by some small chance definitely call me. I'll be a guest. Yes, (laughs) yes, yes. yes. But listen to that, everybody, for some really detailed information on the planets if you've gotten curious Mm -hmm. during this time. But Pluto is changing signs. That will change the whole paradigm. Think less tradition, less establishment, less big banks, less conservatism, and more revolution, more evolution, more humanitarianism, much more of the collective, and and we're going to be much more uh, focused on the power of the collective, Mm -hmm. and specifically, I think, how technology connects us, Mm -hmm. and the power that we have in being connected, Mm -hmm. and then being able to create change, the people who are outside of the power structure, being able to create change through those interconnections. Yes, for the collective, for the common good. It all makes sense, all the conversations around AI, and from what I hear, people saying is that we will not recognize ourselves in 20 years. The technology will just, we, we can't even fathom what it's going to be like. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be for the good of the collective. Not to say that it won't be painful because as we know, Pluto gets rid of what doesn't work for us. And we're very, very comfortable in our dysfunction right now. Oh, and we've been relatively comfortable. I think yeah. it's interesting too, because the United States, so the birth chart of the United States pretty well accepted by most astrologers that I I have met, most professional astrologers, the U.S. Sibley chart. Mm -hmm. And it has the United States as being a Sagittarius rising, and that puts Pluto 
currently, right, mm-hmm. um, in our second house. But we have a natal. The United States has a natal Pluto at the end of Capricorn in its own second house. Of course, we're rich as fuck. That's yeah. pretty much yeah. the U.S.'s mode of operation. Yeah. So we've been going through, just in the last couple of years, the official Pluto return of the United yes. States, the first one. Right. And I think we have noticed, like, think about the inception of the United States and why it was begun, the powers that created that. Mm -hmm. And then now we've gone from revolution, freedom, power to the people Mm -hmm. to potentially like hegemony and maybe lost hegemony. Mm -hmm. You know, it's two different, the upstart versus the Mm -hmm. hegemon. They're Mm -hmm. they're very different energies. Mm -hmm. But it it seems like since a return, you know, this is where Pluto was when we first started. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's a new iteration of what we were founded on. So we're like, okay, we've turned into something, but now we're coming back. What are we now? Like as we evolve, it'll be very interesting in the next 20 years. I think these are fascinating questions. And I feel as if they will be answered in the next 20 years, but this is my personal view on, on, the new age sort of age of Aquarius thing. I think it's really the Pluto and Aquarius time mm-hmm. period. Mm-hmm. I, I don't subscribe to the other age of Aquarius stuff, but I do think it is totally appropriate that we've been buzzing about this over the last couple of years while this transformative planet is just getting ready, mm-hmm. right, to enter Aquarius. And it dipped in last year for just a little bit. And that's when the AI, uh, all the news started exploding. Right, between March and June. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. if you're listening and you're like, hey, a bunch of stuff happened to me between March and June related to technology or related to creativity or or whatever, that is a tiny, tiny preview Mm. of the rest of Pluto and Aquarius. Oh my gosh, I'm getting chills. I can't wait. Well, another thing that I can't wait for, and we're sitting here in Dallas, Texas, the eclipse that's coming up here in April. And I know we talked about it a little bit in the last show. Yes. Eclipses come in pairs. So there is this penumbral um, lunar eclipse that happens in Libra in late March. That'll be important if you have really important planets or points around five degrees of Libra. That could be a a very large personal, more personal interruption, maybe um, letting go of some relationships or modes of relating which are no longer useful or that you find outmoded in in your current life. There could be that. I just don't think it'll be half as effectual as the eclipse on the 8th of April, mm-hmm. which is running right down the, the path of totality, total solar eclipse on the north node, running right down the center of the state of Texas. This, this eclipse in Aries, it's going to be beautiful to witness. It'll be kind of like the last great American eclipse, right, that went through the Pacific Northwest. We'll get our glasses out. You'll see the complete totality. The sun will be blotted out. And for everybody else, in terms of our lived experience, this is an exalted sun in Aries that's being completely blotted out, being totally eclipsed. And so personally, we might find some of our our own most proud qualities or some of our own personal modes of being, we might be making major amendments for health and healing reasons to those things. And I want to let everybody know that this eclipse conjunct Chiron, it is likely to be more about the pain or the wounding if you're young. My advice to the listeners is that if you are someone on the younger side, this might contain more pain or more wounding in terms of the archetypes in your life. Maybe like a hurt pride because of some personal loss or maybe um, a diminishing of life force for some reason. And if you are 
not younger, if you're on the older side, and I'm, I'm going to let people define these for themselves, <laughs> then then this might be something really healing yeah. and really uh, revitalizing. Yeah. And, and I will add, because I'm on the older side, I'm just going to go ahead and say, the, probably the closer you are to 50, because that's about when the Chiron return is. And and I think that when by the time you get to 50, like if you're doing your work, your Chiron lessons are, you're learning those. And so you're going to um, reap more of the benefits of your healing work around the eclipse. At least I hope so. Well, and, and you're, I would, I would emphasize how correct you are, not just because of, of Chiron and the age, but also because this eclipse is in Aries. Mm -hmm. So the sun exalts in Aries, the moon's going to be there, can join the sun and Chiron's there, can join them both 19 degrees of Aries. So if you have planets or points there, that's important. But the ruler of the eclipse, Mars, who rules Aries, will be moving into a conjunction with Saturn at the time of the eclipse. Oh my gosh. And Saturn yeah. always gives you what you deserve. Yeah. yeah. Saturn recognizes devotion, yeah. practice, yeah. patience, dedication, yeah. grit, and Mars and Saturn together. That only happens about once every two years. So this eclipse is really going to give us our just desserts. And I think that, that Chiron could really be activated by the Mars-Saturn conjunction in such a way, like you were saying, if you've been doing your work, you should have some of those more healing results, even if it feels a little painful. It can be almost like, you know, popping a cyst where mm. it it's not doesn't feel good, but it feels way better to have that pressure, that, uh, you know, whatever is in there out. Mm -hmm. It can feel much better. And I think we might kind of have personal experiences. And I keep using the word personal because when the sun is eclipsed, the sun is that which emanates outward. It is the life force energy of all things. And the sun in Aries is about the personhood, the selfhood, what the self wants to do, what the self is here to pursue. Aries is cardinal fire. What gives you that spark of life in your chest? Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of us are going to experience that disruption in our very own way, again, depending on how we have been walking out our path. You are in Dallas, Austin, Waco, Houston. You're going to be front row, front so, row. So there's, it's controversial. Like some people say, don't get in, don't, don't go look at the eclipse. And some people do. Like, what is your personal thought about? Should we watch it? Or, or you know, like, is it maybe just easier to not? Or? So my teacher, Austin, he, he tends to think that eclipses are more malefic mm -hmm. than benefic. Mm -hmm. But I personally view them as neutral. Okay. They are just disruptions. They are, you know, usually the sun rises, there's the sun, and it doesn't get blotted out at midday completely. So there's a major shift in the rhythm or the equilibrium that is relatively momentary. But it only takes a moment to really change things. So my opinion is that it is important for everybody and, and for listeners to take note and be mindful of what is coming up, what is scheduled, what are you doing around this time? Because whatever it is that you're doing around April 8th, expect changes mm -hmm. or disruptions or things not to go exactly as planned. If you've planned for some crazy disruption, as in, say, you are planning to move houses right? And you're like, I'm moving right then. That's what, that's when it was scheduled. That's when the moving company is already set. That's when my house closes. 
expect it to be surprising (laughs) in some way. Maybe you get into the new house and you're like, what? A water pipe has burst. Or any example. I'm saying that because Mars and Saturn, Mars ruling this eclipse, they will be in Pisces when they're meeting up. And so when, when the ruler of an eclipse is in the 12th house from the eclipse, there are going to be hidden things that pop out to really undo us all in some way. And I say undo us all. The 12th in old text is the house of self-undoing. And you can apply this to planets or points that are the 12th house from or 12 spaces from any specific point. And when that happens, there are experiences that we have that take us out of, of the me and into the unified we. And so I feel as if we're all going to be noticing major stuff, probably out in the collective. I wouldn't be surprised if there was something going on with the United States, specifically politically, because this is going through the United States, the totality where maybe there's some major shift in the whole country's environment. Mm -hmm. And it affects us all in different ways. Gosh, your knowledge and your application and, and the way that you interpret this is just, it's so fascinating, so masterful. And by the way, you know, Rachel does do reading. She does do counseling with astrology. If, if she's just speaking to you and this is making you very curious, I'm, her information will be in my show notes. Please call her because just absolutely brilliant. I mean, it, it just blows me away, your knowledge, really. Thank you so much. This is quite honestly, you know when there are things that you – you want to want or you try to try. This is something where it's the opposite. I tried to run away from it a million yeah. times, <laughs> yeah. but you can't help where your mind wanders. And you're like, why am I thinking about that again and again yeah. and again? It's like a fidget spinner in my own oh mind. My like gosh. I'm always thinking about where everything is That's and uh, where it will be. It's, it's magical. It's magical. Okay, okay, continue, continue. Thank you so much. Yeah. I think April will be interesting because that eclipse happens on the 8th. The eclipse before in Libra will happen on the 25th of March. And the next really important movement is going to be not quite as surprising or disruptive, but but close, because Jupiter will conjoin Uranus on April 21st. So just a mere like couple of weeks after the eclipse, we'll have Jupiter and Uranus there at 21 degrees of Taurus. And I think this should be really exciting. Because it's Jupiter, we will get some benefits. If Jupiter is well-placed in your chart, you might get some more benefits. Or if you have important points there around 21 degrees, notice what what maybe is, is shifting in a positive way for you. Because Uranus is the planet, like I mentioned, of technology, but also shock, cataclysm, major change, sudden disruption, Surpri- innovation. Surprises. Surprises, yeah. yeah. And they can be positive yeah. or they can be negative. But with Jupiter, I think it'll be positive. Yeah. What I think is super interesting is given that this is in Taurus, there should be some total windfall for people. There might be sudden money that comes through. Taurus, we love money. There might be developments in the food industry, big ag, maybe some information that comes out. I think Uranus might give us some information about different Jupiterian topics. Mm -hmm. But pick out that day for, again, some surprises in your life. Also surprises out in the collective. I would not plan for that day to happen exactly as you imagine or envision any time beforehand. With this one, though, I think it'll be really important to move towards our joy because because Taurus is ruled by Venus and it's Venus's sensual sign. So I think the more that we are on purpose 
actually disrupting by like trying something brand new, Uranus, that is really pleasurable, Taurus. And, may, and maybe how it's related to the house too. Like so expand on that a little bit, like maybe to... Just as an example, I'm a Leo rising, so that makes Taurus my uh, 10th house of career in public roles. Mm-hmm. I actually have a midheaven at 23 degrees of Taurus. Mm-hmm. Oh, and what's going to be happening for you professionally? I'll be a couple of weeks into my new job. So I'm imagining yeah. there might be some major event or some like surprising yeah. fun thing. Maybe I do some amazing thing with sales and... Mm-hmm. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But something something career complete, related, completely unexpected, big, possibly very good because of Jupiter and your tenth house around career. Yeah, yeah, right. But Jupiter also, just so everybody's not expecting like the best day ever, it could be the best day ever. Yeah. Like if you have a, a well placed uh, Taurus house, but if Taurus says you're twelfth or you're sixth, or has some really wicked aspects, like or challenging, let's say, yeah. Right, you know, Mm -hmm. or say this is happening right on top of your Pluto. Mm -hmm. Jupiter can also just signify largeness or Mm -hmm. expansion. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it could be a sudden major disruption Mm -hmm. that is actually not easy Mm -hmm. in certain nativities. So Mm -hmm. pay attention to where Taurus is in your chart. Um, We really, really are, are, these fixed signs are having a lot of activation with Pluto moving into Aquarius with the the Jupiter and Taurus stuff. And same thing with the cardinal signs, given that our eclipses are in those cardinal signs. But then, mutable sign people, you have your day as well. Because later on, the, the last major, major thing, in my opinion, in 2024, first half. And, and which are the mutable signs? Just so that I know. Mutable signs are, oh, let me, let me explain. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So fixed signs are the signs that do not move. Cardinal signs Move in a direction. Which, which the fixed signs are Taurus, Aquarius, okay. Leo. Okay. And so each element is present in the three forms the unmoving, the moving directionally, and the moving every single way. Mm-hmm. And so then you have your cardinal signs of Aries, Cancer, Libra, and Capricorn. And last, the mutable signs, which are Gemini, Virgo, Pisces, and Sagittarius. And so all you mutable sign people, you get your fun um, shout out right now because Jupiter will be moving into Gemini on the 26th of May. So to me, that kind of rounds out the first half of the year when Jupiter changes signs. But this will be interesting. We will have just had that conjunction with Jupiter and Uranus. Jupiter is flying through Taurus. So things might feel like they're quickening throughout the first half of the year. I recommend if you wanted to get something done, do it in January or February. Just know that March, April, May are going to be a bit more chaotic, a bit more exciting, a bit more unplanned with these eclipses and the Jupiter-Uranus conjunction and then the Jupiter changing signs because Jupiter will head into a sign that is its detriment, which means its place of difficulty. Jupiter is not without dignity here. It is one of the triplicity rulers of Gemini, but it's also Jupiter and Gemini can be a bit chaotic. Mm-hmm. It can be a bit discombobulated all over the place. Um, I would imagine that a lot of the rhetoric leading up to the election gets really going mm-hmm. there. Jupiter spends about a year in every sign. So Jupiter changed signs in May of 2023 and entered Taurus and it will enter Um, Gemini right at the end of May but then I think there'll be a lot of expansion in perhaps the 
Gemini-esque duality mm-hmm. of our of our conversation. Politics is going to be intense when when Jupiter goes there. And Jupiter or Jupiter. Gemini for the listeners. Gemini is our mutable air sign, but it's represented by the twins, Castor and Pollux. And one's immortal, one's not immortal. They they signify the ability of the mind to create the entirety of any spectrum of thought because Gemini is Mercury's generative sign. It's about the conversations we create. It's about the thoughts that we generate. It's about the um, written products that we make, right? It's about the production of thought. And I think that with Jupiter there leading up to the election, there are going to be so many very dual, very disparate opinions. Yeah, because because Jupiter also the ninth house rules politics and higher thought and politicians and things like that mm-hmm. too. So we've got the planet of politics moving into communication and duality and chatter. <laughs> so <laughs> oh, Gemini's are chatty, yeah, yeah, and they can be a bit off the wall. Yeah, and actually, in the Sibley chart, Gemini is the United States' seventh house of partnership and relationship. Yeah, yeah. So I think that there might be either um, a switching of allyship, mm-hmm. or maybe a, a growing in allyship, or maybe growing tensions mm-hmm. with non-allies i just think so, it'll be so a, foreign policy and domestic policy all on the table ramping all, up discuss, discussion amplified you mm-hmm. know um not a lot of like resolution but a lot of mental exploration totally and i think if you're a creative person use this year of jupiter and gemini to make your work mm. if you're somebody who generates art prose Media, especially all the air signs. We love the media. Mm -hmm. This will be a great time Mm -hmm. to get that done. But what's interesting is that when Jupiter is in Mercury's sign, Mercury's movements affect Jupiter. Mm -hmm. And Mercury is the fastest moving, so we might see some of the quickest progress. But it also retrogrades the most. (laughs) And so we might see like, you know, two steps forward, one step back, and maybe like your head's on a swivel and trying to get, get... clear it might be more difficult whereas while we were experiencing Jupiter and Taurus it might have felt like okay my blessings are on the way but they're really slow (laughs) or I'm a little stuck here or I'm a little lazy or I don't quite know how to move forward but I'm going to sit and think about it Jupiter and Gemini is more like rushing around thinking talking changing opinions going this way going that way maybe having a little of both I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of the listeners' minds were both expanded and changed mm. in the next year. Mm. You know what I'd like to see? I'd like to see the numbers of the the um, expansion of numbers of listenership to political podcasts. It's going to be know, very I, I, interesting. I want to see if people are starting to like tune in, educate themselves, you know, tweak their ideas about whatever beliefs they have, right? Like, mm-hmm. but like I feel like the information around all this is going to be consumed at a much mm-hmm. higher level. Well, and this is the first time since since Saturn has entered Pisces, another of the mutable signs, that we have experienced a Jupiter square to Saturn. Mm. Jupiter has been sextile by sign while it's been in Taurus. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, not visible. It was in conjunct, right, when it was right next to um, Saturn while it was in Aries. And I don't even think it was in Aries. Anyway, all that said... Jupiter will be making a square to Saturn, and I think that might be very challenging, Mm -hmm. but it's also going to create great change because the mutable signs change. For the listeners, all seasons are begun with cardinal signs. 
right? We start a season. They, the height of a season, so the height of summer, the height of spring, the height of fall, they are all the fixed signs. And then the mutable signs end each season and transition into the next season. So I think we're going to see a lot of change, a lot of transition that's of transition. actively happy, mm-hmm. happening. Pluto and Aquarius, that going on. Which will be making a trine to Jupiter at that point. Nice. So I'm that's like, nice. okay. Very, very supportive, yes. Supportive, but also I think it is underscoring like the amount of media, the amount of conversations, the amount of technology. I think you're completely right about AI expanding and expanding. Mm-hmm. And of course, people listening to this are probably like, well, no, duh. Yeah. <laughs> but same thing with cryptocurrencies, digital assets. Mm-hmm. I think that this next year of Jupiter through Gemini is going to only expand mm-hmm. That specifically, though we might find out when Jupiter leaves Gemini that not all of it was great. This is Jupiter in detriment. Like maybe it was all just an interesting conversation, like like a stimulating conversation. A fever dream. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great word to describe that. Because then Jupiter will move from, and I'm getting into 2025, but that is when Jupiter will move from Gemini, its detriment, into Cancer, which is actually where it experiences its exaltation. Oh, and then we're going to feel all the lovely feels. And heal ourselves back and be like, yeah. you know what? I'm going to take care of everything that I was like, I was yeah. flying off at the mouth and now I need to be quiet and mm-hmm. figure out what's actually good for me. I just love how astrology just really lines up with reality. It's, you know, it doesn't really tell us anything we don't know, but it's just so affirming. Life affirming, and it gives yeah. context, in my opinion, mm-hmm. to lived experience, yes. which allows us to more gracefully integrate and accept mm-hmm. everything that happens to us mm-hmm. as being not to us, but for us. Mm-hmm. And it, it helps you be so intentional and aware of what's going on and conscious of what's going on in your reality and the reality around you. It's just like a such a nice tool. So good. And I think it helps us to, I'm not someone who elects, like I don't, I don't plan my life around astrology. Mm-hmm. But when something is really important, Mm -hmm. like say a marriage, you know, or some sort of a trip or, you know, something that's, you know, not life and death, but close, like it's very nice to kind of have an idea of how that's going to go so that you can respond appropriately. Yes. Yes. I a thousand percent agree. Okay. What's next? That is really the first half of the year, and I mean, kind of a preview of H2 for everybody who is listening. So after Jupiter enters Gemini, in my opinion, that is where the year really changes in its personality. Mm -hmm. I think that the nature of our collective abundance, the nature of our challenges are also going to be changing. Like I mentioned earlier, in September, Pluto will re-enter Capricorn for the last time in all of our lifetimes. Mm. So if you have planets or points in the last degree of Capricorn specifically, or the last degree of any of the fixed signs, look out for you. <laughs> and if if your chart isn't, if you aren't familiar with your chart, again, Rachel can help you with this. Um, and, you know, just imagine what it's like to actually have all of this tailored to your own personal chart and experience. I mean, it's amazing. It's amazing, and um, Rachel is, is a great guide for that. So, okay, one last question for mm-hmm. you. Okay, so if for so the next six months, first half of the year, what is one word in totality that you would use to explain it? And then, like, as far as a personal, I guess this is two questions, but an, a personal intention to for maybe we can all just um, kind of keep this at the forefront of our con- consciousness, like. What should we keep in mind, like for our own personal going through it? 
that would be helpful? Two words. Okay. Growth and transformation. Okay. Yes. yes. Growth and transformation. We have the planet of Jupiter moving so fast. Mm-hmm. And it's stationed right around the first of the year, I think setting off the Gregorian calendar at least. That's kind of, uh, it's going to be a Jupiterian beginning of the year. There's also a lot of signatures of transformation and change. Pluto changing signs, these major eclipses, which are affecting specifically the United States as well. And then also the conjunction of Jupiter with Uranus, which only happens once a year. I mean, I think that this will be a a time of positive change, a time of fruition, Mm -hmm. but a time where we find ourselves this year, I think specifically, in a very different place than we found ourselves at the beginning of last year. Mm -hmm. And I think by the end of May, we will be in a very different place even then than we are now. I think it will be a bit more same-same between June and the end of the year. Once we get into like uh, late November, we get Pluto re-entering Aquarius, we get the other eclipses in October, Mm -hmm. Mars is doing a retrograde at the end of the year. It's the most major retrograde that I think we're going to deal with this year. Mm. No Venus retrogrades. Amazing. Oh, that's great. That's so really Venus good. ruled people, Taurus risings, Libra risings, Taurus and Libra people. You're going to have a great year. No yes. retrogrades for you. Oh my gosh, that's great. That's Complete great. progress. Well, I love all that. And I hope you come back at mid-year. And, just, and we can we can revisit this podcast. We can say, hey, you know, we're, we're spot on. Like, how, how did that actually shake down? Mm-hmm. And then really just go into the rest of the year and just like give them little tidbits about what to expect there. The only thing that I would tell listeners the last little bit is intentionality is everything mm-hmm. with growth and transformation. And especially given how Saturn is kind of sneaking in and affecting a lot of different things this mm-hmm. year, I think that we are going to, like where where our attention goes, our energy flows, and we will see the results of where we are putting mm-hmm. that powerful energy. Yes, yes, I agree. And then the word that came to me was... Um, having integrity around your intentions and, you know, really, um, committing to yourself. I think that you're right. I think that the benefits of that will be exponential if, if you can focus and, and really honor yourself and have compassion. Cause I think that with all mm-hmm. this change, I don't, you know, changes can be very uncomfortable and, you know, just really love yourself through it and, and have compassion for yourself that, you know, um, it may not all look perfect all the time. It doesn't have to look like you think it does yeah. or like other people say it does. Yeah. This is kind of, I believe, a uh, it'll be a brand new flavor for everybody. Well, it's Pluto and Aquarius. This is about the individual. This is not about what everybody approves of. This is what, what do you approve of? You know, that's so interesting because Leo and Aquarius are duads. So I think you're totally right. Empowering the collective also mm-hmm. empowers the individual mm-hmm. and vice versa. So. And also with that eclipse in, in um, Aries, you know, that's that's the person. That's the mm-hmm. number one. Um, what's coming to light there? I mean, yeah, what is good for the individual that benefits the collective, I think is more accurate. And you couldn't be more right. It's the, the motto of my old studio, The Refuge, our catchphrase was for the benefit of all beings. Mm-hmm. And truly, what is good for us, actually, at the highest level, is good for the collective as well. Like, they're one and the same. Our highest good is the collective's highest good. Yes. And so remembering that, if we can, like you said, have that integrity, set those intentions. Be, res- be responsibly selfish. And spiritually mature. Yes. 
Yes. All that. Then yeah. I think we can kind of cut through some of the old, outmoded, artificial material around us. Mm. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much. This was a beautiful conversation as always. And I can't wait for another six months just to see where we are. And, um, again, you know, I will, I'll definitely, anything that I've referenced here, I'll put in the show notes and reach out to Rachel. You know, uh, I think that starting a new therapy practice would be really good if you have, don't have a therapist and just imagine having a therapist and astrologer combined going through all this transformation over the next six months with Rachel Ruth Tate. I mean, this would be an incredible investment for anyone. And so I highly recommend that. And, um, I just hope all you guys are just starting your year out amazing. And um, yeah, that's it. And I'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much. It's a gift to be here. Okay, bye, Rachel. Bye. As always, thank you for listening all the way through to the end of the Art of Podcast. I really appreciate it. If you are enjoying the show, please leave me a five-star review and a written review. It helps the show get listened to and distributed, and it's just really good. And I want to thank you in advance for that. If you want to connect with me on Instagram, it's Leah Fisher Art. And also visit my website because I have a great section that highlights a lot of the resources that I talk about on the show. And then it also has some of my art too, if you want to scroll around and look at that. And if you guys have any resources that you are really enjoying that are helping your healing or just making life a little bit better, share those with me because I would love to share them with my audience. And in the meantime, I hope everyone's doing great and I will talk with you soon. <laughs>